0: Welcome to yet another edition of An Artifactual Journey, and yes, 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 Yes. we are in the historic home of an iconic family that has made global contributions to the world of entertainment. I'm sitting here with none other than grandson of the Heidi Ho man himself, Peter Cabell brooks is the grandson of cab calloway can you believe it because i can't i'm
1: about to pinch myself and him i pinch one of his fat rolls and that's him laughing welcome to the podcast thank you so much it's an honor to be here and i thank everyone for listening and i'm going to make this a great experience i hope i hope this is the beginning of many great experiences that you're going
0: to make with an artifactual journey today we're going to delve into a little bit about your grandfather And what are you
1: holding in your hand right this moment? This is an autographed copy of his book he wrote with Bryant Rollins called Of Minnie The Moocher, and Me. And I actually remember when he was writing this book. It was such a big deal in the family and when it came out because... You know it revealed a lot of family secrets it and, did it uh, did yes yes yeah that people didn't want you know, pre-tmz days right yeah Pre- national choir tmz and so boy boy but you know <laughs> we are fortunate because he was never associated with a major scandal like some others and some of his great mentees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like mr cosby so it's really interesting but you know it was the, all of the stuff about my mom's history that Got everybody, got her upset, at least when it came out.
0: Well, roughly how old would you have been when when Grandpa Cab put this out? 12 years old. So you're pre-adolescent?
1: Yes, yes, yes. And seeing the two of them working on this and piles of papers. and At at that time, aren't you more interested probably in... Football. Sports? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Anything other than what Grandpa and Mom are up to? Yes, yeah, I'm really into sports. But I do dig Grandpa and Mom. Because they take me to all these incredible events, like at the Kennedy Center. And As a preteen, you yes. went to the Kennedy Center? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I still remember them taking me from class saying, you know, you got to go report to the principal's office. What did I do now? Your grandfather's performing tonight at the Kennedy Center. Your mom instructs you to go home and get ready because you're going to meet him at the hotel. The Watergate Hotel. At
0: the Watergate Hotel. And this is wild. shortly after the heels of the great Watergate scandal. Mm-hmm. So at this point in your life,
1: are you able to fully
0: grasp the significance of who your grandfather was?
1: I don't know if it's possible because he had such a profound impact in so many different disciplines Yes, and things are still unraveling that he packaged
0: as we sit right here. Talk today. Yes, yes, almost a yes, hundred yes. years
1: ago. You know, I don't think many people at all throughout the world, just a, a very few people really can grasp the significance of him. In 1937, Cab Calloway introduces the word boogie into the American language. In nineteen forty-one, he co-writes a big hit with Glenn Miller called Boog It. That song gets to about number seven, it's a top ten song. A year later, the Andrews sisters released a song called Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B. B. A a big, big hit. (laughs) And from that point forward, any song that has the word Boogie in the title is a hit. And no one can really tell you what it is. And it lasts for generations, you know what I mean? The 70s has Boogie songs. Hip hop has songs that reference this term boogie. Mm. All of Motown, you know, yeah, so, we're gonna boogie. Like yes,
0: yeah. the word boogie yes. is
1: coming from Cab, Cab Calloway. Yes, yeah, and the term Big Apple to describe New York City is also credited to Cab Calloway. Terms like cool, hip. Jive, cats. Okay, okay so it's going to segue us to what are you holding in your hand now? Share it with the audience. So I want the audience to understand something about Cad Calloway. And the reason why his legacy has such resonance is the fact that unlike a lot of the musicians that were his contemporaries and even those beyond them, he wrote stuff down. See, Cab is given credit for the word boogie because he wrote it, you know what I mean? In 1937, it's like the first time it appears. So... That's some heavy stuff. That is... What I'm looking at now is the first known dictionary written by an African American. And what's it called? The Hepster's Dictionary. This is the 1944 new edition, The Language of Jive, the new Cab Calloway's Hepster's Dictionary. It's also featured in his book. Yes, yes. So I'm here to tell you that
0: if you want to be a hip cat, all you got to do is to use some of these words in here, and people are going to think that you are fly, that you're yeah, fresh, that yeah, you're that you that, know something. That, they that don't. you cold, that you're this, you're that. I mean, and all you're doing is going back to our past.
1: That's right. That cab was putting it down. That's right. And what this <laughs> means is, in looking at the generations prior and uh, you know throughout, I guess European history, and et cetera, is you have a clear generational gap which is stemming from CAB's tradition, uh, you know, which comes from the cabaret as opposed to the opera, which is very working class and getting people motivated who, irrespective of education and stuff, you don't need to be sophisticated like you do to understand opera and stuff. So CAB is one of the first ones to really define that generational gap. We are different from our parents, we speak different, we behave different, we believe different things. We dance differently. We have this music that you don't have that is so powerful that we lose control while we listen to it. Cab Calloway kind of introduces that, the idea of an audience losing control of themselves because that doesn't really exist in ragtime and opera and classical and spiritual Uh, Gospel. Yeah, so
0: here's something else that I I want the audience to understand. Yeah. Cab's essence of his personality was so large Mm -hmm. I mean he's tall Mm -hmm. He's slender. He's strikingly good-looking with quote good hair, and he knows how to Engage his audience. Mm -hmm. He knows how to control set the tone in a room and I just can't imagine what kind of personality did he have as a student at Douglas High School yeah. in old West Baltimore? I mean he
1: was larger than life. <laughs> right, and right. and I think his response I can't get away from how it seems to me that it was really spurred by the death of his father when he was about seven years old. We don't know exactly what happened, stated in the Afro at least that he died in a mental institution. It may have been a similar circumstance to, you know, what happened to Malcolm X's father, you know, streetcar accident. I don't know. I really don't know. I do know that, you know, Cab's family was really involved in a lot of civil rights stuff and secret organizations and stuff like that. Cab himself, you know, talking about coming from that area, Sandtown, Winchester, Upton, you know, the main reason, not the main, but at least part of the reason for Cab's personality and his ability to be successful was the fact that a lot of people wanted him to be successful. And these were powerful people like... Dutch Schultz and Oni Madden and, you know, mobsters from the day. You know, real Italian mafia who had resonated with them. He was a a black person. They liked Duke and they admired him and they saw how brilliant he was and stuff. But Cab was a black guy who was one of their guys, too, you know. They could trust him. They could talk to him. They could show him things and he wouldn't talk, you know. Did that help him get involved with the horses? He was involved with the horses, prior to then. okay, We need to bring this in the conversation at Pimlico when we're talking about the preservation of Pimlico. Right. The fact of the matter is that George and Ira Gershwin wrote this part of Sport and Life in the opera Porgy and Bess, which is a Negro opera written exclusively for black people to perform, based on seeing Cab Calloway at the Cotton Club. So you have a definition of this personality, sport life, which Cab learns and cuts his teeth on at Pimlico. That personality becomes the fundamental mm. basis mm. for every male mm. performer, from Mick Jagger to Prince to Michael Jackson to Tupac to LL Cool J. You name it yeah rick james and then uh, james brown as well you know it's this idea of a male bravado that is larger than life that is competitive and highly sexualized and very you know spiritual yeah yeah otherworldly charismatic and it's compared in contrast to a sort of a frank sinatra type of personality where the appreciation is of the quality of the voice and the quality of the music Cab's thing is the appreciation is the experience of seeing this incredibly energetic and transformational, you know what I mean? And stylishly, Uh, uh, he was draped. And today we're dealing with the phrase drip and historic drip. Cab
0: had the drip. He did, he did. And so you got the zoot suit. you got all these people now mimicking
1: what and how your
0: grandfather was
1: handling himself in the public eye. And the zoot suit is highly political. I mean, there were riots over the zoot Uh suit. And of course, Malcolm X came up right, from the Zoot yes, Suit yes. tradition. But of course, that's after cab. Yes, well, and, right. and during, really, well, yeah, somewhere, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, so it, it's a really powerful history. I mean, the Zoot Suit is the only indigenous American suit, and it's considered that he popularized that. A dance like the Jitterbug, you know, which he's given credit for naming, he popularized that, you know, the Jitterbug's dance. A number of other dances that he really popularized. He was sort of, you know, an ambassador between African-American culture and white culture and in a way that it's a little bit more risque than like Louis Armstrong and Nat King Cole and stuff. It's a little bit more pure male, raw male energy, you know what I mean? That's like, again, like X dot highly sexualized, but even further, you know, in terms of that, I mean, he's, this guy is singing a song about Reefer right. in 1932. I mean, it's During the Depression. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a hit. Yeah, it's a big hit. And it's here's the thing. He is talking about what he's seeing in the black community. And so he's also the first real performer to sing about the black community and make it popular, which is what you see a lot of the performers doing today. Mm -hmm. Today,
0: we call it crossover appeal. Mm -hmm. Cab was an early example of someone that had crossover appeal. That's right. Uh, and it's evident that there were numerous, whether they be Italian or Russian or Jewish or mm-hmm. German, that would flock to various cabarets, nightclubs, in segregated
1: communities to partake in this black music experience. Yep. And, and they needed guys they could trust who wouldn't be dorking the chorus girls, who wouldn't <laughs> be addicted to drugs, who right. wouldn't be hungover, who could keep a disciplined band, who would not cross the line, All of those things are characteristic of him. And they come from that neighborhood, Sandtown, Winchester, Upton, because that's where he formed his personality. That's where he learned show business. When
0: it comes to the legacy of Cab, your grandfather, share briefly three things that the larger public does not know. I mean, we know he lived in Wilson Park at one point. We know about Baltimore, about Douglas High School. We know about his sister Blanche. We know about all kinds of things, about his mom, Eulalia. But but tell us something that maybe our listening
1: audience, and we have a global audience, what would you like to share with us? All right, one, I can tell you this. On February 2nd, 1942, Cab Calloway releases a single called I Want to Rock. This is 12 years before Buddy Holly... <sighs> and the song Rock Around the Clock. This means that Kev Calloway really forms the foundation for rock and roll and in other thematic ways that we discussed. I think the second thing that people don't know is that Kev Calloway is really important in the history of animation. He was really the first commercially successful rotoscoped person, which was a technology that was formed by the Fleischers, who did the Betty Boop cartoon. And a rotoscope is when you're body is attached with reading mechanisms and as you dance the cartoon character mimics your movements exactly My goodness now what Why? year is this rotoscope this is again 1932 33 in the Betty Booth cartoons in the early 1930s shortly after the reefer man song yes
0: yes oh my yes. goodness yes who knew there's so much that we don't hear on a regular basis about his contributions. we hear the same old one of the reasons that we do this artifactual journey podcast is I'm personally and professionally tired of hearing the same old information mm-hmm. about the same old people. We can never get enough of CAB, but let's share and uncover new activities and significance. And that's what you're dropping on us right now.
1: The third one, as I said, boy, gosh, can I have. Oh, you, can have, anyway. four. you can have four. Come on, come, come. You, you, you're Peter Cabell Brooks, <laughs> and, and who are we talking to? Where are we? Come on, you can have four. The third one is the fact that his grandfather Andrew Reed was a part of a secret organization called the United Mutual Brotherhood of Liberty. This was a group of men in Baltimore who enforced the Emancipation Proclamation on the streets of Baltimore just after the Civil War. Cab's grandfather is a president of the organization, but he doesn't get to know him because he dies before you know, Kev's birth. Okay,
0: so let us segue to that, because you just gave me a big, fat pitch, and I'm getting ready to hit a home run, okay? Okay. So check this out. Obviously, we're in love with Harvey Johnson, mm-hmm. who's a part of that, that same organization, yes. Union Baptist Church. We're also in love with William Moncure Alexander, from so Sharon Baptist, who's mm-hmm. a part of that, and Anais Brown. And nice is Brown mm-hmm. it is a pastor from Leidenhall in uh, Sharp, Leidenhall. So these are just a few of these early important members. But we've been trying to track Reed to Lincoln University. Yes. We found, speak up, Executive Director. So we found an Andrew J. Reed in the class of 1876 at Lincoln University. So we're trying to... Make those one and the same. We have William Abraham Credit graduating from Lincoln. Yeah, that makes coming sense. out of Baltimore. And that's a relative, w- 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 too. W- which is a relative. Yeah. And then you also have Cab Junior coming out of mm-hmm. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And then obviously your grandfather attends mm-hmm. but doesn't graduate. So the legacy can be pushed back even to an earlier time if we can make Andrew yeah, can J. Make Reed. Right. Is that
1: that sounds AJ Reed is, is that's his grandfather's name. Right. So it sounds um, like it might be you know, it has some credence. It's got some... And
0: the, the other neat not thing kidding. about the Callaway family that we were excited about was looking at Eulalia. She doesn't get credit. No, she does She does not get the, the bounce, the recognition that she deserves as a musician. So we've been following her footsteps in in Baltimore. Mm.
1: Wow.
0: What church she's performing at, what school she attends. And the, the photograph that we shared with your family is her high school graduation photograph.
1: And that's just an amazing photograph.
0: It, and, and you see the, the, the family genes that are just passed on for, yeah. for a generation. And we're also looking at Blanche.
1: Well, and that's the thing. That's perhaps the fourth thing is the fact that Cab's older sister Blanche is really the architect of 20th century modern entertainment. Because if Cab in, introduces this stuff, well, Blanche introduced it to Cab. Cab, that's right, that's right. She trained him. She mentored him. She introduced him to her friend, right. Louis Armstrong, who brought Cab on as an MC. So, and, and imagine
0: what it was like to be considered a sex pot yeah. at that time in history, a beautiful woman, and she's also fronting her own band. Yeah. And that, I can't even imagine, with equal rights and, and so forth, how these men felt to have this woman be in charge of Blanche Calloway and her Joy Boys. That is really some. Know that there will be more with grandson of Cab Calloway. Yes. And more of the magnificent stories. And maybe even, if we're blessed enough, we could talk to some of the other, some of the other family yeah. members that are walking encyclopedias that the younger generation needs to take a moment out of their schedule and listen to what these wisdom-filled women have to share. Yeah, because it makes you wealthy. It does. And I'm wealthy well, Yeah, to be in your presence today for an artifactual journey. Thank you very much.